This past week, I got to go out and do something I haven't done, I think, for 12 or 13 years, and that's play disc golf. I don't know if you've ever done that before, and it was kind of funny at one of the parks where they kind of list all the rules for disc golf. It said, this game is much like ball golf, which I'm going to start calling regular golf ball golf because it just sounds better. But I was playing, and my brother, who is much better than me at everything, uh, told me right away what I could do to actually have fun. Because the first couple of tee-offs in disc golf, you use a lot of the same terminology as you do in ball golf, when I teed off, I had this tendency to droop my hand down a little bit because I'm lazy, which sometimes is why I give very short homilies. And so I let my hand droop down, and the disc has a tendency to go left anyway. And so my first two or three throw-offs, it just like hit a tree right away or barely went off or like went straight left. And my brother said, you know, and thank God he did this. He goes, if you just, you know, make, keep it flat or even overcompensate, it's going to go straight and go a whole lot further. And sure enough, just like in ball golf, if you do it right from the tee off, it makes it a whole lot more fun than just hitting a tree or just dribbling out of the tee box. It was like that fundamental thing right there. I just needed that correction. And then for the rest of the game, it was a whole lot more fun. And I even got a little bit better than my five-year-old nephew. So I was really excited about that. Um, but it was you know, just going back to those fundamentals. And I would say that as we look at this particular season of Advent, I think it's good for us to take some time to go back to the fundamentals, to reflect on what our Lord is saying here in the Gospel of Mark where he says, watch. And I would say, too, just to kind of draw your attention to another similar warning that he gives. We actually got it in the Gospel yesterday morning on the last day of ordinary time. Towards the end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said this, Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And I really think that's an important one. I think sometimes, like, we know how to guard against drunkenness and carousing, right? We know, okay, not supposed to do that. Sometimes we overindulge in some things. But, you know, it's like we kind of know. But that second one, from the anxieties of daily life. I think it's so easy most of the time that we get in our routines and we're going about things day to day. And we do get anxious, especially in this year. And we do start to get, as he puts it there, drowsy. I mean, looking at this like watchfulness, you know, what are we doing? What are we ultimately about in our lives? And Advent almost calls us, as Jesus says, watch. Don't be drowsy. Don't let the anxieties of daily life overwhelm you. What do you have to do to go back to the fundamentals, to make sure that you're setting off in the right way? And so what I thought we would do for the four Sundays of Advent is at least spend the first three going back to the fundamentals, and that's the first three commandments. You know, if you ever see the commandments uh, shown in pictures, you know that they're really being authentic to Scripture when the first one has three on them and the second one has seven. If, you know, it's like you're looking at it through the eyes of Adrian Monk, it's like, why is it not five and five? Okay, we know it's not five and five. It's because the first three are directed towards God. The next seven are directed towards each other. But obviously, if we're going to be watching, if we're going to be waiting, if we're calling for O come, O come, Emmanuel, we want to go back to what does our relationship with God need to be? 
And we might as well listen to God himself. And he gave us those first three commandments and told us the fundamentals. This is the way to set out. And if you're doing that right, it makes everything work so much better. Now, hopefully you know what those first three commandments are. I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning just kind of hitting some of the highlights on the first one. And I'll tell you the reference point to go and look at what the catechism has to say about the first commandment. It's paragraphs 2084 to 2141. I'll make sure we get that up on Facebook and wherever else we put up stuff. But 2084 to 2141. That first commandment of, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods besides me. And you talk about fundamental, right? What is our ultimate priority? Who should we be focused on? And if everything begins, starts, and and is directed towards God, things have a way of working out so much better. We have a way of not being overcome by those anxieties of daily life, rather recognizing That as, even if you go back to Exodus 20, where we get that commandment, he says that I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, he's giving you context of the fact of, remember, I am Lord your God. Here's some examples of the way that I've been with you all the way through. Don't have other gods besides me. Don't make graven images and worship them. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. Now, there are five words I want you to kind of think about and reflect on this week, and this is the way that the, that section of the catechism kind of breaks it down a little bit. I'm not going to go through everything that it talks about in this commandment because it's 60 paragraphs, although I will say, take the time this week, 10 paragraphs a day, works out pretty well. But the five words are the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, and then the next two, prayer and adoration. If we focus on those five things, it's pretty easy, well, kind of easy, in some ways to follow out that first commandment. You know, a couple years ago during Advent, we spent the four Sundays talking about the cardinal virtues of prudence and justice, temperance and fortitude, and those are virtues that deal with with each other. Once again, it's like the second seven commandments. With those first three commandments, we kind of have these first three theological virtues all directed towards God, faith. What is faith? Well, we have the deposit of the faith, what we've been given about God, the knowledge of him, sacred scripture, what he tells us about himself, what's revealed to us about him in nature, all these beautiful things. And if we strive to build up our faith, it makes life so much better. It's like correcting the disc from the beginning. Take the time to study and learn about the history of our faith about each one of the Gospels. We've just now started year B in the liturgical cycle, which means that throughout this next year, we'll be reading through the Gospel of Mark. Maybe take the time over the next weeks to read through the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of them all. And it's really beautiful the way that Jesus is hes on the move. He's immediately doing things all the time. Learn about the faith. Make sure that you recognize, like, what am I doing to learn and understand more about what is most important to me? Am I actually spending some decent time each day trying to grow in my faith? Or is the majority of my day spent on social media or just watching the news or reading stuff that doesn't really matter? Or am I saying, you know, looking at the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods besides me. Am I taking time to grow in that faith? The second virtue, hope, right? To have that trust in God. And once again, this is one that's so easy 
to fall out of. I mean, I don't know if you're like me. It seems like every day I'm like, oh no, I've got to deal with this. You know, and it's like the anxiety of daily life starts to kick in. I start to forget about what's going on. It's like this drowsiness of not recognizing that, wait a second, for 38 years, God has been right there with me, has taken care of me. I've gotten to this point, but today, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? When it comes to hope, we need to spend that time meditating on the ways that he's been with us. He's been with his people throughout the centuries, that he wants us to move on towards heaven, that he gives us all the grace that we need to become saints. And to stay close to him in that way is so good. There are two main sins against hope. They're despair and presumption. Despair is what Judas did, right? He sinned against the Lord. That wasn't the worst part. His despair of not trusting that he could be forgiven. And of course, he ran away from the Lord. He took his own life. There was the problem with Judas was that despair. Peter, of course, denied our Lord too. But he didn't despair of the Lord's mercy. He knew that God's mercy is greater than his sin. He hoped in the Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ were called to the same thing. Of course, presumption is sort of like the other side. It's like, oh, you know, I know dad loves me. I'll just take the car out. If I scratch it, so be it. He'll forgive me. Who cares? Okay, don't do that, right? Like we want to be in a good relationship with him. We don't want to presume on his mercy. We cooperate with him knowing that he gives it to us. Finally, that last uh, theological virtue, charity. God is love. He wants us to participate in his love. He wants us, like we are right now, we're here. I know it's chilly, right? But we do it out of love. You're not obliged to be here right now, but look at this. We get to participate in the love of God who comes to us. We get to be a part of this love and to continue on in that all the time. To look at those three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love helps us to realize he is the Lord our God. We should have no other gods besides him. And of course, those last two, prayer and adoration. To stop and to adore him. To thank him for the fact that he's not left us alone. To thank him for the fact that even though, yes, 2020 has been crazy, but because we have hope, we know that he stays with us. We know that now we're entering into the preparatory season of Christmas. We know that he will come again. We know that we celebrate his first coming. We have this opportunity to adore him, to be with him in the Blessed Sacrament. Don't forget, we have the opportunity throughout the week to be with him in the church, in front of the tabernacle. We're going to have adoration all night long, each Wednesday night throughout Advent. We have our men's prayer night coming up on Thursday night. We have times to be with him and to simply be in his presence and adore him. He created us out of love. He wants us to be there and to love him back. And finally, I would say prayer. Prayer is so crucial. And of course, right now we're doing the greatest prayer that there is, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But remember, he wants you to lift your minds and your hearts to him. He wants you to stay in that constant contact with him. Don't get unplugged. Remember, he is the vine, we are the branches. Don't just try to go about life all by yourself. Take the time to be with him. Just one of those small things that I would say when it comes to prayer is it's got to get to the point that it's more important to you than brushing your teeth. Okay, 
I know that can sound kind of corny, right? But who of us forgets to brush our teeth? Hopefully nobody. Hopefully it's at least once a day. I'll admit, sometimes I just go to bed without doing it. Yes, it's gross. I apologize. But I do it every single morning, right? Without fail, I promise. And sometimes when mass attendance is very low, I think, ooh, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. But we know that that is a crucial thing that we make time for always. If you spend less time talking to God than you do taking care of your dental hygiene, there's a problem. Your teeth will eventually go away. That's why there's a denture industry, right? But your soul won't. Your relationship with God will not. We've got to make sure that time with him every day in prayer is an absolute essential. Not something that we just kind of put off, that we just sort of forget about, that it's like, you know, three seconds before going to bed, like, oh yeah, forgot to talk to you again. Thanks for the day. Have a good one. You know, we've got to make sure that we recognize that he is the Lord our God. We should have no other gods beside him. And that's not to mean that all of us become monks or hermits or sisters or all that, although those are wonderful vocations and it's incredible to give your whole life to the Lord. But all of us in our day-to-day lives need to realize that he is the Lord our God, that he stays with us all the time, and that the way that we can live out exactly what he says to us at the end of the gospel today, watch is to recognize that first commandment every day. He is the Lord our God. We shall have no other gods beside him. If we correct that from the beginning, if we strive to make that the foundation in the way that we set out, life will be so much better. And as we begin this Advent, I recommend go look at the Catechism, 2084 to 2141. Meditate this week on that first commandment and ask our Lord for the grace to recognize once again that he is the Lord our God. We shall have no other gods besides him. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.